before uh, I get in the word, I get into the written word, uh, I, I want to bring someone up that has had a, 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 a life which has been led by the Lord. And, and so I want to bring him up so he can tell a little bit about his testimony. He's not even getting to everything, obviously. We'd be here for years, right? <laughs> but uh, but a, a gentleman uh, who could come up, if, if someone's willing to bring him up, um, uh, there is, um, we're going to bring up Bob just to share uh, any aspect of his, of how the Lord has been working with him over the years that he wishes to share with us. Amen? Let's give him a hand. Thank you. Richard, Richard appreciates you guys' applauses for him. So first of all, in light of what uh, Pastor Gerald was talking about, um, God is good always, right? Amen? So, Evie, that beautiful lady back there, she always reminds me of that, and I remind her of that. But anyway, uh, if you're waiting for a story of how I was a hot mess, and I was in the gangs, and, and, and then somebody witnessed to me, and oh my gosh, my life has been totally transformed, and it, that's not my story. <laughs> but it's kind of boring, I guess, but everybody's got a story, right? So um, I was going to a pretty traditional church, and it was fine, but uh, I was not really satisfied. My, uh, my, my hunger was, was there, and, you know, I was at the point with my eyesight where I couldn't really read very good anymore, so I wanted to find a church where I could... Um, where they could teach me what the Bible says because I was always kind of curious on what's in the Bible, you know, but I couldn't really read it for myself and I didn't have an audio then. And so, so God brought me all the way down to Arkansas to get me away from my family, whom I dearly love. But I, but I think, but I think it, there would have been uh, a lot of resistance and consternation leaving the church if I was in the area, and I think that's why God brought me down to Arkansas. Uh, and I don't, I don't actually remember the year and the date, but uh, I had, I didn't have one of these amazing conversion experiences. So if you didn't have a big experience, uh, that doesn't mean you're not born again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, somebody was taught me about Romans 10, 9, 10, you know, that if, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved because with the, the mouth confessions made unto salvation and with your heart you believe to righteousness. And uh, I, I never knelt down to kneel, well, except in the church, whatever. But um, I remember one time I, I thought, well, I'm just going to do this right. And so I got down on my knees and and I confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart. And, and so, anyways, uh, uh, I'm really not sure where to go. So, I, I moved back up to Minnesota, and I spent a lot of years, frankly, kind of around the fringes, you know, uh, 
go to college, partying, and, and I never really uh, kicked God to the curb like, oh, I don't believe in him anymore. It was just kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, God is in my life, but he wasn't a vital part of it. But the thing is, is we go, like Pastor Gerald was saying, or Dr. Joel, whoever, <laughs> you know, we go through seasons, and, um, but God is always persistent, you know, in, in Philippians, uh, Philippians 1, verse 6, uh, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will, will fulfill it till the day of Jesus Christ. And I may not have quoted that exactly. You can look it up. Philippians 1. Uh, I'll look it up here. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm always a clown, so Evie will attest to that, so I'm sorry. But, but God is, God is always uh, uh, coming after us or chasing us or you know, whatever, going after the, the one of the 99. Um, so, and then uh, in 1992, I got married to Evie, and it's been a wonderful 28 years. Uh, we had a season where... Um, we got hurt by some people that were supposed to be Christians, and uh, it, you know, there was some some hard times. But you know, God always pursued us, and uh, eventually, uh, we found ourselves uh, up here and found ourselves at Believers Fellowship. So, where God will bring us from here, I don't know. Um, I don't mean this in a negative. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever he has in store is fine with me. So um, that's about all I have to share. Sorry I didn't really prepare it any, you know, whatever better, but that's part of my story. Wasn't that good? Yes. God's faithful, persistent. You know, the we talked about I wasn't, in some gang or anything. God is persistent with those people, but we need God's persistence as well in our life. So it's wonderful to see that, uh, how God is working and moving in everyone's life. We have been going through a series called um, Jesus Stories. I have a slide, but we'll wait till. It gets up there. But anyways, um, we're, we're really talking about the presence of God being manifested in people's lives. So as I've been going through the word, I've been picking out particular stories where Jesus really blooms who he is and what he wants to happen. And so I, I, the tag phrase is love in person. Every single one of the stories that you see is loving. And that's how Jesus interacted with everyone. He, he interacts with everyone. Sometimes the love is harsh, but that does not mean that it was not loving. Sometimes we need a little harsh in our life. Uh, sometimes we need a little bit of a kick in the tootie, you know, um, to get us moving, Right? Uh, it talks about in, in his word that if he doesn't discipline us, he doesn't love us. Uh, and that doesn't mean, I think we in our mind, we think of discipline as something that is 
horrible and destructive for some people. Uh, but that's, that's a view from, the, from earthly hurts, not a, not a view from divine re- a divine revelation. Because discipline can be something that is actually growing to us. You know, you need the discipline to go work out to lose weight or to get stronger. You need the discipline to go to, uh, go to work. Uh, sometimes you need discipline to stop from saying those words out loud that you, you know need to stay in your head. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, discipline, uh, uh, discipline from God isn't just a pound of flesh. It's a, a way to, to grow you and to change you. Amen? Um, today we are not going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about something uh, a, a little different. If you open up your Bibles to Matthew 15. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And so in your Bible, it may be called uh, the faith of a Canaanite woman or the request of a Canaanite woman. Uh, in the version that we're reading, it's, it says the faith of a Gentile woman. But let's read, and as we read, let's, let's go through this. And I, there's some things I want to point out here. Uh, I've, I've heard several sermons on this that I felt like the people were in air as they explained it. So I kind of want to go through and, and talk about it. Okay. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So, okay. So what was Jesus doing before this that he, uh, that he had to go? He was uh, teaching, he was preaching, uh, and from where he was at, uh, he had to go 50 miles north from where he was. 50 miles, okay. 50 miles, not by car, not by, like, the best roads in the world. He went 50 miles north in the, which would be Lebanon. And for what reason? It doesn't even say what reason. I, I, I don't think that Jesus went there on accident. Have you ever found yourself someplace and you're like, how did I get there? Why did I get there? Maybe in your life. Maybe it's with your job. It's like, what is going on? Maybe you're like, you know, this church, it's like, I've been here and now the church is, you know, it's been ministering to me and, and now they're transitioning something? to shutting the doors? Lord, why? You know, I think Jesus went there for a purpose. Maybe Jesus didn't know why he was going there. Because if you read the scripture, Jesus is moving. He has power that is given to him by, by Abba Father. But what he says he's doing, he only does what he sees the Father doing. He, he doesn't have everything in his brain. He's walking through life with a relationship with Abba Father, letting Abba Father guide him, just like we are. So he probably 
It's time to go 50 miles out of his comfort zone where there, there probably are Jews. But, but these two cities were Gentile cities. These weren't Jewish cities. These were Gentile cities in, in Lebanon. Anyways, let's continue reading. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the, rain, uh, to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and a Gentile woman, or a Canaanite woman, uh, Matthew uses the word Canaanite, which reminds me of, of like, David and Goliath. Like, it's, a, it's kind of the older word to use for, for these people. Uh, and so he's making a definite point of saying this person was not Jewish at all. She wasn't a Samaritan that had maybe a little bit of Jew in her. She wasn't, you know, uh, someone, uh, a backslidden sinner. She was someone who was, was born and had nothing to do with Israel. This was someone that, uh, first of all, a woman should not be going up to them and talking to them. That's inappropriate. Second, it was someone who isn't of their faith, never been to the temple. And third, she was a Canaanite, someone who traditionally fought with the Jews. This, this person was the complete opposite of someone that should be talking to Jesus. This was the, the epitome of the, like, um, go to the other side of the road type of situation. This is the epitome of the person who should not be talking to the disciples. And you can tell by the disciples' reactions as we read it, Right? In your mind, there are probably people that you're like, I don't want to meet them in a secluded part of the country ever. That was this person who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. So this woman, you know, was not the right person to talk to Jesus. So sometimes the wrong person persistently asking the right God can make miracles happen. I think that sometimes in our mind, we put labels on ourselves. We say, I'm not good enough. To give a testimony up front. I haven't lived the life I maybe should have. I'm not good enough to ask this from the Lord. I've messed up here. I messed up here. I messed up here. I, you know, I, I, I don't have the skill here. I don't have the ability here. I don't have the intelligence here. I, I don't have the money here. I, I don't have the lineage. <laughs> I don't have the names backing me. My life's a mess. At this point, this woman has no room to talk to Jesus. But just because maybe she was the wrong person to talk to him doesn't mean she wasn't talking to the right God, the right person who could, who could heal her, who could fix her, uh, her daughter. And when they, they bring this out, possessed by a demon that's tormented her severely, like Jesus, every single time that someone was hurting in front of him, 
It wasn't like Jesus to be quiet. It wasn't like Jesus to stand there. He saw someone. He had compassion. He always moved. But what the verse says is something completely different. If the verse says something completely different than, than the character of God, you need to stop and say, why is something different here? What is going on here? When something is different than what you expect, you need to ponder and wait and what's going on. Because she starts pleading about a young girl. Pleading. Help. And Jesus gave her no reply. Why didn't Jesus instantly go to her? Why? I've heard whole sermons about this. About how Jesus was a racist. About how Jesus... I've, I've heard from progressive churches about how uh, Jesus was looking down on a woman of color. And I, I, to be honest, I want to tell a lot of those people that Jesus was the same color <laughs> as, this, as this woman. So it's, it's, that's, that's not a correct uh, ideology. Also, um, was there some, you know, prejudice, excuse me, against People, Gentiles? Yeah, there was. Does that mean Jesus has it? No, we can't layer on the same prejudice that the surrounding areas. We can't put that on Jesus. That Jesus was perfect. So if those two things aren't, this, aren't what it is, maybe we should listen to what, it, what he says here and watch and then see what, what's, he, what's he getting at. So this is what you got to put on your thinking caps here. You got to get into the scripture here. If it's if you can't put on the cultural, and and he's not acting normal, let's let's see what he's talking about here. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples, oh. So he was letting his disciples give speak. So how would how would his disciples act? If his disciples responded the way that Jesus always acts, they would respond with compassion, right? Respond with healing, right? But what did his disciples act like? Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all of her begging. All of her begging? It's like, oh, the, the, oh, she, it's like, these people have cast out demons before. They have fed the hungry before. They have dealt with the demonic before. This isn't new. Jesus was watching to see what his disciples did when he didn't step up. What's in your heart? I want, I want you, when Jesus doesn't give you direction what comes out of you is, is what you put in you. When you're mad, when things don't go your way, when, when things don't look right, right? What comes out of you in the moment of decision is what you've stored inside of you. Have you stored the word of God inside of you? Have you stored forgiveness inside of you? Have you stored uh, the spirit inside of you. So when you get bumped in life, does faith come out or does anger come out? I had a moment with my sister. I don't like talking necessarily about politics with her, but she's tricky. Halfway through, I'm like, I thought we were talking about something else. 
And now we're talking about politics, and she's vicious. And I, I, I didn't even know I was mad till I all of a sudden blew my top. I think my words, I'm not even joking, I think my words were like, do you really think I'm stupid? I've never said that in my life. But she had a way to poke, 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 poke. And you know what? I was shaking. I'm like, I don't act this way. Know what, know what it brought me to realize? What am I storing in the little gate of my heart that when I get poked, what comes out of me? What am I putting in? Am I, am I, am I storing up the love of Jesus in me? Am I storing? When things get annoying, what am I storing up? Right? I think Jesus was testing what was stored up in his disciples' heart. He didn't say a word. Is that normal of Jesus? No. The only time that happens is when he's being judged. Jesus always says something. But he led his disciples so that they knew what was in their heart. Did Jesus know? Of course Jesus knew. This is going to be a teaching moment for everyone. Right? Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Oh, you're like, well, that's rough. Oh, well. So she just walk away now? Oh, well, okay. Thank you, Jesus. You told me. And what's interesting here, he says a statement of fact. You could either take it as a shutdown, or you could take it meaning something completely else, something completely different than that. His words you can determine the inundation to what he's saying. Because this woman could have been like, oh, I'm not part of the house of Israel. I'm not part of that. I'm not, so I'm not part of the blessing. But could he be saying something else? I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him. So probably what was happening, why did she have to come? Well, because the disciples were playing linebacker, you know, <laughs> were playing, was, was guarding him and was like, Jesus, tell her to go. Get her, get her out of here. And to be honest, like, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, tell her to go away. It doesn't necessarily mean that they meant don't help her. It's just this lady was being a nuisance. You know, it's like she wasn't going away until Jesus did something. Like, yeah, I know I'm not the right person. I know that I shouldn't get it. I know, I know, but she wasn't going away until she was getting healed. I I love that attitude of hers. We need to have more of that attitude in us. It's like even though some maybe a gatekeeper's in your way, I'm not going. I know Jesus is over there. I'm going to where Jesus is. I'm going to do what Jesus asked me to. I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care how much prayer it's going to take. I don't know. I don't care the sacrifice it's going to get me. I need my daughter healed. I need her delivered. And I need it now. We give up so easily. 
She didn't care about the barriers. She knew a God who could help. And she just kept going. The disciples, the people in charge said, no, that's, it can't happen that way. She said, I don't care. I'm going. I'm going. She's, I could see her screaming between the arms, Jesus! And when she yelled at him, so he's like, Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She knew who he was. Son of David. This Canaanite woman was using the phrasing of the Jews. She was, wasn't going to give up. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Um, I'm reading this out of the Amplified Version. So James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses. Pray one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, can accomplish much when put in the action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and have tremendous power. She wasn't going to go. She was going to be persistent in her prayers. We need to be persistent. So Jesus said, I, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. If you want to be a prayer warrior, this is something you've got to figure out. The Lord help me. Who has the problem here? The daughter. But she said, help me. We need to love some people so much that their hurt feels like our hurt. We need to love people so much that their pain feels like our pain. We need to love people so much that, that when they're going through hard times, you pray for a miracle. You pray for a miracle in your own life that you, like if they're dealing with money, you don't got money to give them. Lord, help me. I can help them. Lord, just help them. Help me. Their problem becomes your problem. And it wasn't just the crying. She came. You got to go to Jesus and worshiped him. Jesus isn't a, a vending machine where you put in 50 cents and you get your pop. You get your prayers answered. You put in your, your 30 seconds of prayer and then you walk away expecting Santa Claus in the sky to answer you. No, he's God. You worship him. He, she pleaded, Lord, help me. We need to have that heart cry for the nation, for, for our people. Lord, help me, help me, help me dealing with this. I am. Jesus responded, is it right to take food from children and throw it to the dogs? Okay, this is where some people say, Jesus just called her a racial slur. And if the word dog was the word dog. <laughs> they translate it dogs here. But if you look it up, the word means little dogs. It means puppy. It means owned puppy. Family pet puppy. 
And yes, the word dog did, was a bad connotation, just like an R dog. And being honest, called a puppy isn't great either. But take away the offense. Say, like, should I change the animal? Like, should I give it to the kittens? I mean, is, is, does it feel bad to be called a kitten? Not as much as a dog, right? So don't put on our own understanding onto this verse. We have to put on what he's meaning here. And to be honest, calling someone a puppy is tongue-in-cheek, really. You know, I'm sure he's, he's bantering with her in a way that, you know, you, can you hear the tenderness of Jesus in this? Calling her a puppy? And if you're like, she called her a puppy, just earlier he called the children of Israel sheep. So I'd rather be a puppy than a sheep. Sheep are dumb. But at least puppies are loved and cuddled, right? Protected and need to be taken care of. A puppy, you don't let just a puppy roam, and, you know? You, you, you make sure someone's watching that puppy, feeding that puppy, water. And, you know, you take care of a puppy. And that's kind of what she says here. She's quick-witted. She's not dumb. I love the, the bantering. That's true. Lord, this is what she says to Jesus. That's true, Lord. And she never, watch this, she never fights like, so what, I'm a Gentile. So what, I'm Canaanite. So what, I'm not a Jew. I'm no dog. I'm no puppy. She never says that. She just says, that's true. Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Right? So, so that's like, even, they, they even get the crumbs. Dogs, my dog sits at my feet while I eat. And she knows I'm not going to give her nothing. But she just hopes that maybe, just maybe, I will drop that ham sandwich and she is ready to pounce. What she's saying here, even the puppies get fed. Even the puppies get fed. She likes, she needs, she needs her food. Isn't that interesting to think about? Is that the work of God can be food? The work of God can be food to us in our lives. Can nourish and feed us. Like, Lord, I just, I just, I just, I, I just need a shake of your love right now. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, like, like there's stuff, some, there is nourishment that's owed to us by being Christian. That God wants to feed us. And when my children are hungry, they tell me I'm hungry. Tell them, they're like, I'm hungry. <laughs> you need to tell your Heavenly Father what's up in your heart because there is food and nourishment that he has ready for you. Because you're his kid, he will feed you. In your heart, in your, in your mind, in your, in, your, in your body, if it's healing, he'll feed it. If it's hurt, he'll heal it. If it's your mind, you can't get over that, he'll, he'll walk you through it. There's food and nourishment designed by God for you. We just got to ask for it. 
This lady is showing us how to do it. Be persistent. And what does Jesus do here? Does he rebuke her? Like, I, I told you what I said. Does he do that? No. He says, dear woman. And remember, when we, when we were in John, Jesus called his mom woman. It is not an offensive term. It is kind of like if you're in, like, another culture, like, like for instance, like an Asian culture, a lot of times they'll call uh, people that, were, that they want to be respectful to or like an older woman, they may call them auntie or something as, as respect. This is, this is a respectful word. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Lord, put that in us. Lord, put that in us that we're willing to go to whatever gate we need to pound on. That we will be persistent in pursuing uh, the faith for you to do miracles in our lives, Lord. Just thank you. There's a, um, in Matthew 8, 5 through 13, same thing kind of happens with a, a century where, where Jesus says, uh, well, and here he's like, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Does, does the daughter, did the daughter have to be there for it to happen? No. So you can pray for people across the country. You can pray for people uh, across the aisle in, in the grocery store. Do you have to be laying hands on them for them to be healed? No. You can, you can pray for someone across the couch from you. <laughs> you know, you, just be persistent in your prayers. Um, with the, the century came up to Jesus and, and was like, I, I have the youngest of my servants uh, is sick. Uh, let, me, let me pull up where I want to read it. Okay, uh, five, uh, uh, Matthew 8, 5. So this is before this. This is in 15. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman official or, or centurion came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. When it says young servant, it could mean child. His child. It could be his child or it could be a servant's child. That word there is young servant. It means that it has the same definition as child. So he's praying. He's asking Jesus to heal this child. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The Roman officer wasn't a Jew. Right? So this, this happened before the Canaanite woman came. And the disciples, you see how Jesus, is, Jesus spoke first. And then in 15, Jesus held back to see if the disciples got the message. And we... The Roman officers can't uh, plead with the Lord. My youngest servant lies in bed, paralyzed in a terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. But Jesus said, said, say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officer and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. And if you say to my slaves, do this, they do it. 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him and said, I tell you the truth, I, have, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that, that many Gentiles will come, will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those whom the kingdom was, was prepared, will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus already gave this lesson in, in chapter 18. We're in chapter 15. And he's training his disciples. How are you going to treat these people? How are you going to interact with these people? I've told you that these Gentiles are coming. I told you they're coming. They're not coming clean. They're not coming with the, in the nice suits. They're not coming the way you want them to come. They're not coming with the right verbiage. All they're coming with a hunger for the truth, a hunger for a miracle. And as disciples, we got to be ready and not protect our own way of thinking. Amen? We need to follow Jesus wherever he would take us. Whatever he would want to do. I'm going to first encourage you uh, as, a, as a fellow Christian, as a fellow, uh, someone who walks the same roads you guys walk in our lives. Be persistent in your prayers for your needs. Because he has something prepared for you. And also, don't let any prejudice touch your heart. Put inside of you good things from the word of God. Make that a part of your decision of how to love on people. I know I, I, I had to wake up to, you know, realizing uh, when talking with my sister that I need to put more good things in here. I need to, you know, you know I, I, I actually went through and like, Lord, who do I got to forgive now? I got some anger in me. I didn't know it was there. There was a pocket of it. And it was huge. It just came right out of my mouth. Like, what? And I had to go through and start like, Lord, what am I holding on to? What do I need you to heal? We need to be prepared that God is going to bring people into our lives and we need to be prepared with the gospel to give them not our own thoughts, not the thoughts of some political party. We need to be prepared with, with the word of God because the disciples acted the way that the Jews would have normally act, but Jesus was calling them to something greater. Amen? I, I was thinking about this, preparation. When preparation meets opportunity, that's when a miracle can happen. Just preparation. I was thinking about, like, when I lived in my other house, I wanted so many things. I, I, for, for my family, for my, my kids. Like, I, I've been wanting an air hockey table for a long time. And it's silly, but I want one. I just want one. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> but I saw them for like, they would go for like $250, $300. I see a cheap one every once in a while. But I had no place to put it. Well, I moved. I got a bigger house. Preparation. And then, I, and then I, I was looking on Craigslist or wherever I was, 
and then you know I see the two hundred fifty dollars, see the three hundred dollars, see the five hundred dollar one, and then I see the deal, the fifty dollar one that should have been three hundred dollars. And I'm like, I got the place for it, I got the car for it, I got the money for it. Now it can happen. I still, you know, so I caught up, I got it, I, I, and I. And the same thing happened with with a place that I, I that I, I purchased the other day. I, I mean, I got for free. I was able to get a place that I wanted for my kids for free. It's in my backyard because I had prepared a place for this stuff. We got to prepare our hearts for leading people to the Lord, for praying for people. We need to because you're prepared. You got to maybe a little formulaic prayer. You got to pray. <laughs> Someone asked me for prayer. What do I say? <laughs> Here's one. Lord, help me. <laughs> it's right there. You know, you need help. Be prepared. Because when the opportunity hits, you need to be able to grab it. Um, I also really, really want um, one of those old Broncos that, like, you know what I'm talking about? One of the big ones, you know, wh- wh- that I have now. And so I saw one for sale, and I'm like, I got no place to put it. I am not prepared. So I had to let the deal go. I don't want you to be, have to let something go in your life because you didn't prepare to take it. Prepare in your heart, I'm going to be bold. Prepare in your, in your heart that w- when someone's like, man, I got a headache. Maybe you step and say, I want to pray for you. Or, ah, I'm hurt, you pray. I'm just, these are just examples. Maybe, maybe you're preparing for a new job. You know, like, I really want... I want to work here. You don't have all the skills yet. Go back to school. Take a certification test. Do something. Prepare yourself for when God decides to move you to the other position. You need to, you prepare ahead of time. Now, I mean, sometimes you're just dropped into a situation and you need a download from the Holy Spirit. But most of the time, God leads you a little bit. You get a little bit of where you want to go. Right? Prepare yourself for the blessings of God so that you may be able to handle it. Amen? Well, why don't we move on? Today is communion. And as we go through this, um, if you need one of these things, we do have them in the back. But I want you to talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, is there anything like culturally the disciples still, even though Jesus over and over and over again talked about the Gentiles coming in, they still didn't get it. Ask yourself, is there anything in my life that I'm just not getting, Lord? Lord, give me that light bulb moment. Lord, don't let me miss an opportunity to serve you in this world because I didn't pick it up. I didn't pick up what you were laying down, Lord. Uh, Lord, I want, I, want, I want your word to be a part of me. I want worship to be on my lips. And I, uh, Lord, I want prayer to be the first thing that comes out of me. When, when tragedy happens, I want to go to you, Lord, and, uh, instead of go to despair, instead of going to depression. I, I, I want to I, I go to, to worship. I, I want to go to prayer. I, I, I want to go to the, uh, to the church. Instead of hide, you know, you got to store what's in you, what's going to come out of you. Pray. Take this as an opportunity. Lord, there's something I'm just not picking up. 
that, that I need that light bulb moment. So I'm going to just, let's just take two minutes. I'm just like, Lord, reveal to me what you want to talk to me about. There's sin lingering in my life that you need to just whoop, clean out. Show me. If there's something that I just need to give to you, show me. If there are steps I need to take that maybe, maybe I didn't know I was supposed to do, a direction in your life. Let's just take two minutes and let God just speak to us. First Corinthians 11, verse 23. And it says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this to remember me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your body was broken on the cross for everybody, for everyone who will believe in you. Lord, thank you that we, we didn't have to be born into some lineage to get you. But you said from, from the beginning of the word that you wanted to bless the nations. So thank you that you went to the cross. Your body was broken, even though you didn't have to but you did it for us. In your name. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with, confirmed with my blood. Do this, to, do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you shed your blood on the cross, that we could be grafted into the line, that we get the same blessings uh, that the Jews get. We, we are grafted, and we get to be with you for eternity, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your protection from, from your blood. Lord, I, I just thank you that um, that you've given every promise in this word is yes and amen because of your blood. Lord, I just thank you that it washes us and makes us clean. Lord, we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the congregation here, Lord. I just thank you for the hard work they've put in over the years at this church, Lord. Everyone here is a worker. Everyone here loves to sit at your feet. Everyone here is so grateful for your mercy, for your grace, for your spirit, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I just ask that you continue to guide us with your eye. Lord, I just thank you that we are not some second-class citizen in this world, but we belong to you. We are sons and daughters 
of the Most High God. We just thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Lord, bless this congregation this week, Lord. Help them to see past uh, what the world says is good or bad. But Lord, help them to see your heart. Help them to see your, your vision for this world, Lord. Lord, I just ask for all week long for there to be light bulb moments in our lives where truth that maybe we haven't picked up yet gets dropped into our hearts, Lord. Lord, for, for freedom and for direction, for healing and for power, Lord. I just thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us, Lord, and is leading and guiding and convicting and empowering us right now, Lord. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, love you all. Thank you for coming. If you need prayer for anything, please let us know. We'd love to pray for you. And uh, have a great week. Thank you all.